following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. And welcome to Talking Cowboys. And I'm Heckman Harrison. And this is another edition of our one-on-one series. And guys, I have someone today that is very heavy duty. All right. Her resume reads like a good book. Uh, she has an undergraduate degree in biology, master's degrees in finance and analytics. She is a former investment banker. A come on, I gotta get this right. Investment banker, right? Financial strategist for Disney, a former ESPN analyst, currently predictive analytics expert at NFL Network, co-host of Fantasy Live, Fantasy Now. She is always the smartest person in the room. And let me tell you, she is a connoisseur of fantasy league owner tears. No one other than Miss Cynthia Freeland. Miss Cynthia, how are you? You're hired. I'll tell my agent, <laughs> you are now hired. We're going to switch it out because that was an amazing <laughs> intro. Thank you very much. I always, that's that's so kind. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, no, whatever. Now, I'm telling you, I, I in doing this, getting, preparing myself uh, for this, I do what I call extensive research is just going on the interweb, right? And looking at stuff and trying to find everything that you possibly can. And, oh, my God, Cynthia, I mean, how in the heck? I mean, first of all, how did you go from East Lansing to Boston College? And that whole thing, I got questions for you on that. But then Kellogg School of Business at Northwestern, that is amazing. Talk about your academic journey. I had a, my mom was a school teacher and my dad was an engineer. So growing up in East Lansing, which is a home of Michigan state, I was exposed to college and higher education from a really young age. So I think that really helped. Um, I wanted to quote unquote, live in a big city. And I say quote unquote there, because when I go back to Boston now, after having lived in New York and Los Angeles, I'm like, and Chicago, I'm like, this is kind of a small city, but <laughs> I wanted to be in a big city that still had some of the things that felt like my favorite parts of Michigan State. So sports, especially football and BC, was that nice smaller school, kind of city adjacent with sports that were D1, big time sports. And it was just, it, it, the vibe was right. You know, it. I, it's kind of, I, I, I can't remember what 17 year old Cynthia was thinking, but that's, you know, that that's what the, that's what the vibe felt like at the time. And then, you know, I learned through experience and taking a lot of like, you know, swings and misses and, and and all of those different things you learn in your early 20s that I needed to go back and get some pedigree in terms of business and really refine what I knew about, you know, how to think through things. And in doing so, that that's where I w was lucky enough to get my Kellogg education and then realize also that adding the analytics to it could make me a little bit more multiple and a little bit more able to add value in ways beyond what I thought possible when I was that girl who was 17 in East Lansing.
<laughs> right. Now, let me tell you, I, I have an East Lansing story, right? So I was recruited by Michigan State out of... No, no, no. no listen, you got, before you let's go with my story, let me finish. Let okay. me tell you. So I get off of the plane in East Lansing. I wanted to go to Michigan State because of Magic Johnson, big time Magic Johnson fan, right? So I, I'm from Dallas, Texas, so I've never experienced any kind of winter like in Michigan winters, right? So I get off the plane in East Lansing, and I kid you not, there is a pile of snow next to the baggage claim and area that is the size of the building, taller than the building. I decided right there on the tarmac that I was not going to Michigan State. That was it. I was like, eh, it ain't happening. I don't know anything about a winter like that. I wasn't prepared. I had a like long johns and a starter jacket. <laughs> it just didn't work out. Those Michigan winters are crazy. Yeah, that's why I no longer live there. <laughs> I prefer <laughs> the sunnier climate of California because the Michigan winter didn't agree with me very well either. I mean, I did live in other cold climates, but I prefer the heat. I totally understand. I will say Michigan State is a special place, but it is especially special in the fall. And about February, you're like, we, we out of here yet? Let's start, let's get this school year over with. So for sure, the fall, though, in the fall in Michigan, you know, you did miss out Look, I, I I did, I did. I'm sure. And, and, and let me uh, let me say this to you before we go and go any further. Uh, how are you doing during all of this pandemic? You know, how are you holding up? You know, the funny part. I read a really good Wall Street Journal article that was about like how our minds work and the the wiring of our brain to experience negative and positive emotions and i feel more connected to other people after having read it. it's a really good article um and it, i recommend everyone reading it but ultimately what i'm realizing is that these are all even if you don't love the ex the experience of being home or you know, you're feeling a little less connected than normal these are really good things we're going to look back in you know hopefully not that long of a time when we're back working with each other and we're going to really not take for granted any of the things you know I, I live in los angeles my commute stinks but now i feel like maybe i could make better use of my commute maybe i could listen to a different book or meditate or do you know find something else to make the time feel you know not not feel wasted or disconnected because it's been hard to be so you know, I miss my family and I miss my friends and I miss, I miss working <laughs> right. so, you know, all of those things. But, but I'm really, I'm really starting to see how we have an opportunity to make this experience very positive, even though there is a lot of negative that's been baked in. Absolutely. Well, Cynthia, let's get right into it. And, and I'm, I'm one of those people that for a number of years had my doubts uh, about analytics and, and and I've I've seen I see the way that analytics is changing financial markets with you know quant guys and everyone with analytics you know not only with algorithms and artificial intelligence and all of that and so when it came down to football the game that I love changing and that conventional wisdom of football of run on first downs run on second downs those things have changed you know. More teams are passing on first down. More teams are passing on second downs. More teams are making more risk, where most of that conventional wisdom would tell you not to make those de decisions because most coaches are risk-averse. Talk about how analytics has changed the game of football totally. It's only as good as 
good inputs mean good outputs. You have better inputs, you get better outputs, right? So the more information we've been gathering, so with the advent of next-gen stats and people's appreciation for, if I track things like what does this defense, what has this defense seen on first down or on second and seven or whatever plus to go and, and they see, oh, well, they've been anticipating run and we've seen that, they've seen 70% run, maybe, maybe we should pass. So it gives you a framework to make decisions based on a lot of information, but very quickly, right? So you've been tracking this thing, you can then use it and then you can interpret it. And then a coach who has a lot of institutional knowledge about what their players can do, what the playbook is like, they can then use that kind of framework to help refine the decision. So it's really not about being prescriptive. It's about narrowing down the choices from a lot of good options or a lot of options to maybe three good ones. So that a coach or a play caller or whomever can make a decision based on like, let's go with the three best ones. And maybe we're wrong, but here are three, the three we think are the best. And let's, let's create those three choices when we're, it's a neutral, not the game feeling. And you don't, you know, your heart isn't beating and there isn't a man over there trying to, 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 to attack you, right? Like <laughs> making it in a neutral situation. And here are three best options. Let's leverage that information during the game and be calm, cool, collected, and be able to execute better. Now, probability does not equal certainty at all, right? So, oh. it, <laughs> and so there's so many things that has to be factored into it. And I'll take you back to last year, week 11, Coach Matt Mat Patricia, and I know you're a Lions fan, but Coach, <laughs> Coach Matt Patricia uh, makes the decision five minutes left in the game to go for a two-point conversion down by 14, right? And so... He goes at, I mean, the, obviously the Cowboys won, but in the post-game interview. Come on. <laughs> so the, in the post-game interview, everyone's asking him, like, what is the model? Why did you do that? And he talked about how analytics form his decision-making. Like, how is it that coaches are, like you said, making these decisions on the fly based off of, you know, all of those things that you thought were just schemes and, and studying tendencies and things like that. But guys like you are in, in analytics are measuring the distance between, you know, offensive guards, butt to their ankle and stuff like that to see if a play is going to be successful. What does all of that mean? And how does that equate into football success? It's just like, you know, like I said, I'm going to go back to better day, better input, better output. If a coach is looking for an edge in the game, they can look at things like like you can go for the point like how many how many more downs do you probably have left given the score, the time on the clock, and the team you're facing, right? If it's a run-heavy team versus a pass-heavy, but at the end of the game, if you're up by 14, what, so down distance situation, right? And you can say, oh, what Matt Patricia was saying was that they created a model prior to the game, so not in the middle of the game, but prior to the game that they said, well, this the, the Cowboys, they run the ball a lot, especially if they're up by 14, right? And if they're going to keep running the ball, we have to take every opportunity that we have to earn some points because it, it, we're not going to get this many more possessions. Plus, if you go for it, if you go for two on the first drive, so Matt Patricia, thought they had two drives left right so this first drive they score a touchdown might as well might as well go for two on there because 
if you don't get it, then you can go for two on the second one. You're not really losing anything. Whereas if you go for two on the first one and then you have the second one, then you could win the game. Right. Ultimately, you know, it, that was the, it, I, I'm not in his head and I, I, I didn't ask him specifically, about that, but I, I would guess that that's what he was, that that's where, he, that that's where his model was, was favoring. You know, the Eagles have a different model. The Ravens do, the Cowboys do. Everyone has a different thing that they're looking at. So the smarter teams, the thing that they're looking at, the teams that works out, either they're lucky and they pick the right things to look at or whatever, or maybe that probability goes on their side more often, right? Or what I would think is the way that they study and the trends that they study are the ones they're hitting the the higher probability ones as opposed to being more lucky. That that would be right. you no know, guess. Okay. Now, and, and and knowing that you do a a lot of well, I say a lot, but you do consulting work for NFL uh, teams that are looking to have more extensive analytics um, and. Thinking about Coach Mike McCarthy, uh, Coach Mike McCarthy was one of those like conservative coaches that at first denied the effect of analytics, right? And so that you know, Fight Club never talk about Fight Club. <laughs> never talk about Fight Club. One of my favorite movies. Also, anyway, uh, want to tell you that you know Mike McCarthy, he is out of football for a year. He has an opportunity to study all of the, the nuances of analytics, and now he swears by it, right? He's like a new man, and he's, you know, all with the technology that comes with analytics. When looking at a guy that's coming into a new system here, uh, a new French, uh, new you know franchise here with the Dallas Cowboys, how do you believe in just your experience of doing that consulting work that analytics, analytics is going to help Mike McCarthy here in Dallas? I haven't spoken to Mike McCarthy specifically, but I do know one of my very favorite, maybe the smartest individual analytics mind in the NFL is a cowboy. So I will say that y'all have a really good group out there because I can, and I can vouch for that. But the one thing that I think the way to think about it as a fan is probably that think about the different just type of quarterback that Aaron Rodgers is versus Dak Prescott. Think about the type of running back that Ezekiel Elliott versus who, which running back you want to talk about the Packers? Cause like, I, yeah. Right. Like when McCarthy was there, not because mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, I will, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams are good, but I'm saying, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, with Mike McCarthy, that they weren't known for like the best run game ever. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to look at the assets that you have and then you have to, you have to deploy those assets to get the biggest return on investment. Right. So these are different assets. So in order to make the best use of this O-line, which is great, this quarterback, which is great, this running back, and then how many wide receivers you have that are awesome. I count it. Right. So ultimately making use of those assets and making sure that as you're facing, you know, this is like the first year that the Giants, that the Giants and Cowboys aren't playing each other week one. What, what, but like, and it was right. Like, so you have to look to see, okay, the corners, corners are a little young for the Cowboys. Probably not a problem against the Giants. So golden tape, you know, you got, you got a little bit to worry about, but that might've been a good first game for those corners. Likewise, the the offense versus their versus the Giants events, you got to look for those mismatches. And it's not just look for them from, you know, the, the regular, like Mike McCarthy has watched a ton of film. I mean, I don't, I haven't watched it with him, but I can imagine it's, 
thousands of hours, right? And in doing so, he has a good feel for it. If you can model out his brain so that the other people, Kellen Moore, like all of the all the the offensive chess pieces, people who people who are helping to call plays or coordinating the passing game or all the different things, they can all be on the same page more quickly. You're just creating a better game plan. And that's how analytics can be most useful is you get everyone on the same page. So we're all rowing in the same direction, right? And then you have the best opportunity to take your opponent and find their weaknesses and exploit them so that your assets return the biggest for you, meaning win as many games as possible. Absolutely. Now you see those, I guess, one off. And, and I said this, you know, based off of, you know, looking at a team like the Ravens and the 49ers who have really, really good analytics uh, departments. The Ravens were a shoe in on fourth downs during the season, eight and eight. So obviously we know what the percentage is on that. Then they go into a game versus the Titans and they go for it twice and conventional wisdom and analytics tells them because of this previous success that this may work versus a team like the Titans. The Titans, on the other hand, first down, run the ball, second down, run the ball, third down, run the ball. This is the conventional side of old school football, the three yards in a cloud of dust style that we had before. How does that, how do you take that and you say, look, analytics helps you in this situation, but may not help you in a winner takes all on elimination game? argue that that's where you have to do like think of the world as a decision tree right it shouldn't be binary right like binary means either yes or no there's only two options right the world isn't binary so sure maybe on maybe you're 50 percent going for it on fourth down during the season but let's add some context were those zone or man defenses you faced what what where were you on the field what was the time left on the clock what was the score what, what are all of the different important inputs? Um, was, uh, was their number one defensive end hurt or not playing? You know, who, who, who were these people you were playing against, right? And what play did you call to achieve that? So you have to also be able to adapt to what you see. So it's this decision tree. Maybe they, obviously they thought it was going to work if they kept doing it, but not for the sake of just pure volume, right? They probably had seven plays eight plays that they had ready for those specific situations. But honestly, the Titans defense had them, had them scouted, right? So that's what happens. But that's the chess match we all want to watch, right? Mm -hmm. Your best versus my best. Let's lock horns as opposed to, you know, you don't, it's not, it's not always fun when it's like, you know, a super lopsided score. I was at a Rams Ravens game that got real boring after <laughs> about, you know, three drives. Right. So I tell you what, I'm going to have to use that life is a decision tree for my 13-year-old, okay? I got to steal that one. <laughs> so this, I, I've, I've, you know, done my research, like I said, and you had some really outstanding things to say about our number one draft pick in C.D. Lamb. And just based off of your numbers that you saw for him, and now, now obviously as a Cowboys fan, we are all excited about C.D. Lamb, but your numbers kind of took him to a whole another level. Just talk about what you see from C.D. Lamb from a numbers perspective. Usually you don't see so much talent that fits so well. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like you've got the space that Amari Cooper occupies, the space, meaning the routes, the routes that he runs, and the, and the presence from a defense that he commands. 
same and by the way he's like 12 he's super young still which like he's <laughs> in college very young too so that's a that's a, a positive and then you've got michael gallup also very young and the space that he occupies and the the, def- the defensive command that that he requires right and then you've got cd lamb is like hey um slot hi <laughs> run away with you so ultimately the any any rookie it's hard to project their use because just like any college graduate you have kids in college they got to go get a job their resume it's just maybe maybe they've had a few summer jobs internships maybe they were a biology major so they have a little more but you have only the resume you have and if you've run those routes that complement what the other guys are doing right as well as cd lamb complements what michael gallup and amari cooper have been able to do I mean, that's a nicer fit because you don't have to then your learning curve is really based on your resume and less based on a whole new route tree. Because you're going to have to learn the playbook. You're going to have to learn the speed. You're going to have to get the touch with Dak Prescott. By the way, I don't know how much they've been working together because COVID's very tr- tricky, right? So right. you might as well put yourself in a situation where at least your muscles know how to run that route. <laughs> right. You know, and and by the way, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, go, go, you let me open, right? <laughs> right, guys. So, so that's the kind of that's the kind of thing where the more you have fit and reps that are meaningful that already match, easier transition. Yeah, well, that that I love when you talk data to me, Cynthia. <laughs> and I hope that it works out exactly the way that your numbers have have estimated for our for our rookie uh, receiver now. Look, wanted to, to pull this back a little bit and talk about something that I think is very unique to your situation, and that is the fact that you are the only female analyst on a Sunday morning talk show. Only. And Cynthia, being a girl dad like I am and wanting the best for my girls in every environment, talk about what it means uh, to be so, so groundbreaking uh, the way that you are and breaking into these industries the way that you have. I feel very fortunate to have been given an opportunity to talk, to have an analyst role talking about numbers. These are sometimes boring things. People don't always love math. And being able to be supported by men and women in front of and behind the camera that allow me to 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 do that. That is that means everything to me, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm super grateful to see things like ESPN just announced that Mina Kimes is now an analyst full time for NFL Live, which is amazing, and I love that. So I love seeing these people whose voices I respect and I learn from being able to be like you know you're not just like a you know you're not just like a, a weather girl, right? Like, you don't, you want to be, you get a chance to have an opinion and, and you have to earn your, you earn your stripes every week, you know, every, every time. So I feel very fortunate that I've had the support of the men and the women in front of and behind the camera in order to be able to even be considered for it. So I, I it means, it means everything to me. That, that, is, that is completely awesome. Now, we're at the part of the show that I really enjoy, and these are the rapid-fire questions that I have, all right? So prepare yourself. Just know that this may, you know, send your smoke detectors off because I'm going to serve these like Anna Kornikova, all right? Get ready. All right, so Mexican food or Italian food? 
I'm Italian, Italian food. <laughs> I eat more Mexican food, but if I'm going to say like my grandma, my Nona's lasagna every day. Yes, I would be 300 pounds, but yes. <laughs> Italian food. All right. Uh, a beach or skis? Beach. <laughs> beach all day long. Okay. I mean, I knew you from Michigan, so I didn't know which one you made. So. I'm with you. Yep. All I'm, right. No, not for me. Now, I know that you are a fitness nut, right? So I, I've heard this. I've heard this. So right, wrong, or different. And I, I mean, is it true that you've ran a marathon in every state? States. I'm trying to 20? go to every state. I'm at 23. I'm at my Jordan. I just did my Jordan. But they're all Hello. this year, so I'm not going to be able to get they're, – they're not running any marathons this, this year, so or the ones that I would be able to do. So maybe next year I'll have to do a few. Woof. So choose, choose between these two, the New York Marathon or the Boston Marathon. I haven't done Boston yet, but I went to BC, so I, I had a lot of fun watching it. New York Marathon holds a very special place in my heart, though. So I'm going to go with New York for now, but I'll probably like Boston once I run it. Now, tell me what your thoughts when I say this name. Anthony Noto. <gasps> my most important mentor. Super grateful. Super grateful for everything he's taught me. That is awesome. That that's it. And the fire, the, the alarms didn't go off, but you made it through, it, Cynthia. I made it. I made it. Thank you. Good. <laughs> look, look, thank you so much for joining me on Talking Cowboys. I really appreciate it, Cynthia. This was this was awesome. You, she's Cynthia Freeman. She has a ninety-four percent win streak in DraftKings. So if you want to win, you better follow Cynthia Freeman. <laughs> I'll put it out there. I'll put it out there. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank all of you guys uh, for joining us here on Talking Cowboys. We'll see you.